Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafried. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friend and co-host Eric Gobranson. Eric, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Pretty good. Kind of getting the, the idea of not having to be in the classroom for a month or so is really starting <laughs> to set in, and there's nice. like it's a wash of calm. Until I think about, oh crap, I actually have courses I need to develop. And then the calm starts to get a little turbulent, <laughs> but I'm not thinking about that for right now. I'll try to. I'm going to say, you don't have your, your beach chairs out and sipping pina coladas or anything. Not point. yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Working up to it, though. Actually, we are going to yeah. be doing, um, we are gonna be doing a, a family vacation coming up here pretty soon. My, my wife bought a camper. Um, it's our camper, but I call it her camper because I don't. <laughs> when I go camping, it's in a tent, you know. Like that's that's camping. This is this is glamping. Glamping, yeah, this that's is right. Totally glamping. <laughs> when you when you can push a button inside the box and all of a sudden you're like awning rolls out or the speakers are Bluetooth. It's very nice, but it's glamping. <laughs> it's, right, it's not camping. But yeah, that's gonna be nice. I was like, you would deny that it's nice, but yeah, is it camping? No, nah, <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, so we're gonna be doing a trip in uh, in June where we're gonna be driving down to visit family in Southern Illinois, and then go down to Mississippi to visit some family, and then work our way back up. We're gonna stop in Memphis a few times, like on the way down and on the way back. Um, cool. You know, so also I've I've been on this new little interest trend lately, uh, or kind of revisiting my love for the blues. And so, and I figure, hey, we're going to be driving down to Mississippi. Is there anything right off of the interstate that would be really interesting to check out? And it turns out that, yeah, like the birthplace of Robert Johnson and all of these famous mm-hmm. blues players are literally within minutes of the interstate. I'm like, I got to swing through, get some pictures and look around. And so that'll be fun. Yeah, so we're working on cool. planning all that now. And, and so, but uh, doing the big cross country road trip with the camper yeah yeah it's about <laughs> as uh approaching middle-aged man as you can get isn't it yeah yeah but, I, I think so I but mean, i I'm... think it helps when i say it's her camper and not mine <laughs> then i'm just driving it does blame it on her right? i'll blame it on her 
yeah my my harley davidson is gone and we now have a camper it's that's the progression of life i'm i'm at the next (laughs) you've reached retirement early you just forgot to quit working yeah well it's it's like they talk about with insects i'm i'm at this next instar (laughs) of my development (laughs) Right. right as a as a larva of some form but but do you guys have any uh any fun summer plans now that it's starting to warm up a little bit Oh gosh, not really. We're, we keep talking about how oh, we got to make plans. We got to make plans, but we haven't, you know, how that goes. Haven't actually sat down and made plans yet. So there'll be something with uh, the new house and the expenses that come along with that. Sure. Um, probably not going to be doing a huge, like, big family vacation this year, but we'll, we'll get away for a long weekend or something, I'm sure. Um, talking about going to Michigan and doing something there. Uh, maybe like cabin rental oh nice we'll see we'll see uh, we'll see that's just ideas we're batting around but yeah we'll do something something low-key this year um i think next year the kids will be three and we'll finally get to the point where maybe we can think about doing some actually actual traveling again yeah um they're getting to the age where they can probably do that but well, and I mean, we someday, I don't know when, but someday I want to take my kids to Disney, but yeah, I want to make yeah. sure, and I think they're getting close to that age, but my son's four, he'll be five in August. I'd like them to be a little bit older, so he'll remember it more, mm-hmm. but my daughter is nine, and if I wait too long, she won't care. So, right. though, yeah, I don't she'll know. She'll be in that, like, uh, I'm yeah. over it. Though, though Disney, you <laughs> I'm know. A, I'm almost a teenager, and I don't, you know. You know. Disney finds a way to make everybody happy, whether you want it or not. God damn it, that yeah, mouse is going to make you fucking happy. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to pay for it. <laughs> you're going to pay for it with a smile <laughs> on your face, god damn it. All hail Mickey. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean... Otherwise, yep, we pay tribute to the mouse every every day in this house in some way or another. So I think everybody does in America in some way or another. <laughs> oh, you like that yeah. Marvel movie? You want that new Star Wars? Pay yeah. the mouse. But and now now with things as we talked about in our Marvel show, now things like X Men and all that too. So that's fine. It you know, it is what it is. But it is. So, so tonight, you, be, you know, free free and independent of the Disney, you know, the mouse and the Disney Corporation, you could always you know. Go see more DC movies, right? So that's true. You really could. Yeah. Thanks. The, <laughs> thanks for the salt in that wound. They're good again. We swear they're getting good. Right now. <laughs> they are. They're. They're the last yeah, they three are. have been better. <laughs> yeah. Not the last three. The last two have been better. Three, if you count Wonder Woman, and we ignore Justice League. But all right. So there's our yeah. DC reference of the week. We're starting. We're starting to bring mm-hmm. them back in. But uh, tonight, though, we're going to be talking about a movie that was actually recommended by. Uh, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Brian Lemke, who I actually know through Martial Arts America Karate, uh, uh, a company here in town, in Oshkosh. Um, and talking about the podcast a couple months ago, and he recommended this film, and I've never seen it, and you hadn't either, right? This was your first viewing as well. Yeah, this was the first one. I I wasn't even super familiar with it. I kind of remember like once I once I got the DVD in my possession, I'm like, oh, I remember like the cover art or the mm-hmm. poster art from this. But yeah, it was not something I was familiar with. Right. Um. So yeah, this is a, a recommendation, and uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight is the 2006. So it's a newer film, maybe not Video Junkyard like last week we talked about FX, right? But 
uh, in, in this case. It's a newer film, but again, one that had some buzz and then quickly kind of went away. It's um, a little bit under the radar, yeah, maybe. Yeah, more under the radar. The 2006 advent, adventure fantasy film, The Fall. How'd you hurt your arm? My foot. Me too. I'll tell you a story. Close your eyes. There were five of them. The Indian. The ex-slave. An explosive expert. Charles Darwin. And the masked bandit. They had one common enemy. Governor Odious. Is Odious a bad man? Oh, yeah. First, I need a favor. You always stop at the same part when it's very beautiful. Do you want me to finish the story? Be a good bandit. When I fall asleep, you gotta go. Why? I want you to see me like this. Wake up. We're a strange pair, aren't we? So this one was uh, directed and co-written by Tarsim Singh, uh, who's he's actually got quite the, the the list behind him for some other movies. But he's another one of these directors who kind of has done a lot of different kind of work. I think the first movie I saw of his was The Cell in 2000. I remember going to see that in college, mm-hmm. which is a with Jennifer Lopez and Vincent D'Onofrio, which is a Same really here. batshit crazy, but very visually striking film. I I remember that one getting really panned by critics, and, and it was one that when I saw it, it'd be an interesting one for this show yeah. cause to, to revisit it, but um, I actually really loved that movie I did when too. it came out. But, yeah. yeah, he also did... Um, uh, not only the fall, but the movie Immortals. He did Mirror, Mirror, and Selfless. Selfless, which actually got some again, kind of mixed reviews. So he mm-hmm. he's um, also doing reading up on this guy. He also directed the music video Hold On for En Vogue, uh, Losing My Religion for yeah, REM. Yeah, Lou <laughs> Reed, What's videos. Good, and Deep Forest Sweet Lullaby. So yeah, he's got quite the the record behind him of uh, different kinds of films. And it's funny, like going back and picturing like especially the losing my religion music video i'm like okay yeah i can see that style already developing in 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 him as even as a short film or music video maker right so the um god this one was actually kind of a hard one though to summarize because it's essentially it, it it takes place in uh 1915 in los angeles and there's a stuntman named uh, roy walker who's played by lee pace uh who's hospitalized after and, and very severely injured possibly paralyzed after taking a big jump in in this film and he ha- has an accident and there he meets a little girl named alexandria who's this romanian romanian born uh, little girl she's a patient at the hospital as well has a severe broken arm because uh, she was working in the orchards uh, with her family, and she also got hurt. And he starts telling her these stories, these adventure stories, and mm-hmm. you're seeing everything from her perspective. 
uh, which is very interesting in in, a, in many ways because he's telling the story from an American perspective and she's seeing it from uh, more of a, of a European perspective, uh, yeah. which which was interesting. So, for example, when he he talks about the all of these heroes, these five heroes in his main tale, one of them is uh, the Indian warrior. He's talking about Indian meaning Native American. She's visualizing like a man from India. And right. it's really cool how how that kind of plays out. Visually, this movie is pretty striking. Uh, what were your oh, thoughts yeah. on it? I I don't know. Like I I generally was very impressed by about every aspect of this film. The thing that impressed me the most is that it kind of takes this concept of you know I guess what you would call in in storytelling an unreliable narrator but it kind of takes it to the nth degree and plays around with what's possible or what when dealing with the two different people's imagination right so um not only are we seeing this story being fabricated by a person who is a morphine addict who is injured in a hospital um who is exploiting a child to steal drugs for them yeah <laughs> um but also her interpretation, this child's interpretation of who's who's also very taken with Roy, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but her interpretation of the story changes as events in the real world um, take place. So, like, the people playing the characters in the story will change a bit from here or there. Um, in fact, I believe that the bandit starts off as a different actor and eventually is replaced by Lee Pace mm-hmm. <laughs> and at one point um because she starts to see roy as the you know the uh driving force of the movie i don't know it's i guess you asked me what my, my thoughts of it, initial impressions and were and i guess that i really liked it uh, especially visually but i also really love this playing with the you know playing with narrative or, or the concepts of storytelling and and how different people will interpret things differently based on you know where their age or where they're from or their backgrounds or their knowledge of the world um yeah so i thought that was that was very interesting um yeah i don't know i i guess i really enjoyed it overall (laughs) yeah i i I was really quite taken with the like you said the the way that this movie tackles storytelling and what storytelling Mm -hmm. means and how stories change I really liked how, and and they do. He does a great job of setting the stage in the beginning of this is the kind of thing you're going to be seeing because if you remember that the first story Roy tells Alexandria is the story of her namesake. He tells her about Alexander the Great, or he's a story about Alexander the Great. And mm-hmm. when he starts telling her about Alexander the Great, you're you're instantly taken to this like Roman ruins greek room you know these kind of european ruins and the more he's telling the story now all of a sudden the setting is a desert and the costumes yeah. change and the characters change like you said and it it's a nice little uh introduction to what the main story is going to be like how it is going to change based on how the the listener is interpreting it and i really thought that was quite and, and again just the scenes the settings are absolutely striking um yeah I, I i let it play throughout the credits to kind of see what their their filming locations and it's it's a list of like 20 some 
places all over the world. And uh, so so most of that stuff, I think there were some miniatures, miniatures employed in the end, kind of like when the, the buildings exploding and collapsing and stuff, obviously it wasn't real buildings, but uh, for the most part, everything is, they're all real locations, including the Blue City, that's a real location. Um, it's... Yeah, just the scope of like that, you know, traveling around to 29 different places spread all over the world, every continent except Antarctica, I think. And like it's it was just the I don't know, the feat of all of that just to get this like beautifully striking kind of otherworldly imagery. Um, I don't know. It's, it's impressed the hell out of me, I guess. Well, I, I liked the performance. I like the performances when you're seeing. Well, the first the performances in the so-called real world, right? Like the hospital, are very, very good. The little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I want. I don't want to mispronounce her name, but I probably will. Uh, uh, Katinka. Yeah, I think it's Katinka Utaru. Utaru. Yeah, she Antaru. is excellent in this lee pace is excellent um Mm -hmm. and then when you go to like the fantasy story everything is is performed including by lee pace like a high school play it's pretty sophomoric but it's intended to be it's very overly dramatic um because that's how a little girl is imagining this and Mm -hmm. uh there there are some very just kind of unsettling scenes there's a scene where she is getting surgery and the way she's perceiving that is through very strange stop motion animation that's a little creepy um oh yeah i love this stop motion that was great segment the yeah. only thing that i i was that le- this film left me really leaving is a conclusion it mm. just kind of ends it does, and and, and it, it that's my really only big critique for it is that, you know, it, it, they're sitting there, they're watching flickers of of the film that he's supposed to be in that he got hurt on, and he finds that he's not even in the scene, and then it just kind of ends. So I'm not really sure mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be left with from that, or maybe there was a line of dialogue I missed, but it uh, it's a very slow burn. It's a very slow burn, and then it just sort of ends, and I'm not really sure what the conclusion is. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of resolution for either of our characters. Alexandra goes back to the, her family in the orchards, and it looks, from what we can gather, um, Roy goes back to work, you know, as a stuntman, and it, I, not a whole lot is accomplished by their friend, their unlikely friendship. Um, I do think that Roy as a character grows a bit because he certainly feels a lot of guilt about her getting injured, re-injured, hitting her head, you know, right. trying to steal drugs from, from the medicine room for him. Um, I think her, you know, his friendship with Alexandra, you know, changes him for the better, but we don't get a whole lot of like confirmation of that. Like it's not a big Hollywood ending where you see that, you know, he's cleaned up his act and he's, you know. Um, you you don't know he's back doing the uh, doing stunt work and and you imagine especially in the nineteen teens you know what 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 it shows all those like great stunts at the end in that kind of montage and you imagine most of these guys are probably morphine addicts right because they're all broken and bruised and battered and <laughs> their you know bodies probably don't work after the age of thirty five I would imagine but well see and I I actually was curious if he really was back to work 
because or not, yeah. a lot of the scene when she's talking about how you know she saw movies and she always saw Roy. Um, well, she, you know, yeah, that she's just imagining I mean, him being they, every stunt. They, yeah, they're showing images and, and and clips from some very famous early 20th century films some chaplin mm-hmm. buster keaton stuff like that and harold lloyd and, and they're all those are all those guys actually doing their own stunts so i i, I took it as she right. just kind of imagines he's the stunt man he is the stunt man in the world like he's the one who does all of this stuff and which mm-hmm. which kind of left it even more flat at the end because like okay well then what what did he did he end up ODing on heroin what does he do is he did was he really paralyzed what's he doing and like what does it where does it leave so for that was doesn't really I mean it it just leaves him I mean that's it but yeah but I I don't really know what I I guess and maybe that's something kind of interesting right this is a whole movie about storytelling yet the storytelling in it is just kind of it just kind of ends (laughs) there's no conclusion and it just kind of having this thought now, not something I wrote down, but um, maybe the answer to that question to the the resolution is actually in the story itself. The, the ending of the story he, he gives himself. and um, So I think there is a little bit of a positive at the end. And yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I, I take it back. I, I, I think I agree with your interpretation that she is imagining him in those you know, in those places, because probably, you know, in her imagination, every stunt she ever sees the rest of her, at least her youth is, is always going to be Roy, because she's kind of, you know, their their friendship, it left an impression upon her. But right. the end of the actual narrative, it the, the bandit kind of gets to a point where he has to just kind of let everything go. So the girlfriend, or, or you know, in real life, the girlfriend and the whatever her role was the princess in the story um and yeah i mean i think if you want if you want closure for that character i think you just you look to that you know the ending he gave himself that she finally he was going to kill himself in the story you know the bandit was wasn't going to fight back he was going to let odious take him down and he just wasn't going to get out of the water because he didn't he wasn't a person that deserved it and not at all. You know, he was really fighting for that to be the end and Alexandra wouldn't let him end it that way. So the ending changes and um, I think that says a lot about where Roy ends up. Yeah, I mean, it, that, that the they're the only ones that really survive in the fantasy story. And, mm-hmm. but then where do they yeah, go? Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I can't tell if it's either really brilliant in trying to say hey here's a whole movie about stories and remember like the big argument not argument but the disagreement they have there towards the end is he doesn't want to finish the story and she's like no you have to and so it the whole like final conflict there is a between the two of them before the before they go back into the story is the story needs a conclusion Mm. yet the movie doesn't have a very obvious conclusion so either that's brilliant or that's ironic i can't tell <laughs> um yeah. or maybe a bit of both or a bit of both <laughs> or is it or is this just an example of an unfortunate case of style over substance that it's a beautiful looking film it's a beautifully made film and performed um i mean there's some incredible imagery here but is it 
is it just kind of like that's that's it like there's really not much of the story to it i don't know i don't know it could also be that you know this is more of a of, you know what we call an, an art house style film right um, yeah sure and, and maybe it just it's pretty it's, pretty artsy for this podcast <laughs> yeah you know maybe it's one that just kind of needs a little um interpretation and kind of be be left there i'm not sure i did think it was kind of neat how again I, I brought this up a minute ago but just how her mm-hmm. perspective changes or how it it's different than what's intended so like one of the heroes <laughs> he mentions is charles darwin and the way she envisions Charles Darwin, I thought was really it was almost like a club kid. And I, uh, you know, with a pet monkey. Love that um, I wrote down this is my, definitely my favorite fictional depiction of Darwin in a movie, like or any media. Like, well, the fact that he's the fact he's got a pet monkey named named Wallace is awesome. Well, and you also know, the way that he, yeah, the way Wallace. he dresses but, as well, like um, always in like what would you call it? Almost like bird feather wraps and top hat and um yeah i don't know <laughs> it's it's crazy like the way she it, it, the the cool thing is it's just like yeah, yeah and it very changes strange. and he'll like he'll like you know lee pace is narrating this whole thing or roy is narrating this whole thing and one little detail will change and her imagination and the story will change like it'll change something about the setting or the characters in fact, I believe it. The, the story started with there being two bandits that were brothers, and then all of a sudden she put herself into this into the story, and she changed into one of the one of the characters changed into her, who ended up being the daughter because she obviously was seeing Roy as kind of in this father like right. role, or the leader at least in this narrative. So yeah, she she really puts herself into the story, uh, which which plays in important towards the end when he doesn't want to. Um, you know, when, when he's telling the story and he's killing off all of the heroes and, and she's upset, it's one of the things, you know, Roy's like, it's my story. And she says, it's mine too. I I think this does a good job of really playing into the philosophy though, that of active listening, right? That listening to a story, you are playing a role as the listener. You're, you're the one visualizing it. Uh, but we do all put a little bit of ourselves yep. into. I mean, it's it's the exact phenomenon of why people that really you know? really adore a novel always are a little uncomfortable with its film adaptation, because you do put a little bit of yourself into that, and so does the person who wrote the screenplay for the film, and so does the person who directed the film, and and so on and so forth, and so that doesn't exactly gel with the ye- the part that's you in the way that you you read that novel or you pictured those characters or something, right? Um, yeah, so that's why it's always a little bit uncomfortable, especially if it's something you really, really enjoyed. I have that phenomenon every time I turn on an episode of Game of Thrones, which we brought up last week. But um, I don't dislike that show. I don't think it's a bad show. It's just always felt a little like, I mean, because it's something that I really enjoy, novels that I really enjoy. So um, I'm not one of those people that's a purist. I don't get mad about it. Well, like, yeah, and I'm glad you, you... And it's fine, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you brought that up because that, that kind of plays into what I was thinking about too is this, yeah. without getting into any spoilers obviously, but last week's episode, which is the second to last episode of Game of Thrones ever, and it's uh, it, it was had very mixed to mm-hmm. poor reviews from a lot of people because they changed some things that people didn't expect. And 
it wasn't just people that had read the books. It was people that had invested into seven and a half seasons of this show. And all of a sudden they're really uncomfortable and they're upset with something. And, and you know, you can say it was poor storytelling and it was this. It was that. Fine, those are all critiques you can try to, you know, not try, you can make, right, in your opinion. But ultimately it comes down to the reason people are upset is because they're passionate about it. The reason they're passionate about it is because they right. feel connected to the story. When you boil it down, and everyone's upset because it's right. ending. It's hard to take endings. I mean, to something you're so attached to. Well, yeah. Um, and it's going to end and everyone's going to hate it for six, eight months, maybe a year. And then I think, unless it really is a bad ending, which it may be. Um, but I think... <clears throat> Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, eventually people will warm to it i i didn't have the super negative reaction i have i have gripes about the storytelling in the past two seasons i feel like they're just really rushing things but anyway not a game of thrones podcast so i'm gonna speed this up but yeah i just um (laughs) i think that uh people's main thing is that yeah it, it made them uncomfortable but this is let's not forget this is a show that got popular by making people uncomfortable so um that's generally when this really caught on yeah. was when, you know, people realized that, wow, we can't be attached to, you know, this is, this is a universe that isn't afraid to, you know, harm its main characters in a lot of ways. Um, so it's, anyway, that's enough. For the... Yeah. And I think, I think the same is true for like new Star Wars films. You know, you've got, in many cases, you have this mm-hmm. kind of connection because of fan nostalgia. And, you know, we've, we've all had those arguments with people about the new Star Wars films. If you're a Star Wars fan, you either love the new ones or you hate them or you hated one and you know, whatever. Um, it, ultimately, these are all stories. And if you didn't like the story, you were not entertained. But the fact that people have a more passionate reaction to it. it okay, first of all, it could just be immature jackassery. Okay, Let's yeah. Let's say like that right away. Most of it is immature jackassery. <laughs> but, but there, you know, I'm not saying you gotta like movies. Just yeah. be cool with not liking it. Like, it just like be like, okay, that one wasn't for me. Whatever. Everyone's entitled yeah. their opinion. Right. They really are, but just... Yeah. But I mean, if there's... Because you didn't like something doesn't mean it got ruined. Right. <laughs> but at... But at the same time, I do feel like, you know, yes, if somebody listens to a story and whether it's how it's adapted or how the story continues, they mm-hmm. feel connected to it. That's a very real thing. And when that takes a twist or a turn and you respond the way that you respond, I'm not saying it excuses behavior of some of those responses, but when somebody is responding with, oh, I'm, I'm upset that's more than just saying I'm not entertained. It's part of it, you know, that immature jackassery comes in with the entitled feeling that because you're a fan and now you're not entertained, yeah. you're that's just pouting, right? That's that's a little kid saying, I want two cookies and I only got one. And it's pouting. However, there is so the the behavior is one thing, but just that feeling of no you know, um, gosh, I remember the last episode of Breaking Bad, which is a show I yeah. didn't think I would love as much as I did. And it ended exactly how I, I felt it needed to. I, I don't know many people nope, that, that were unhappy with the only end of series Breaking I've, Bad, right? Like, pretty much but found anyone that loves that series. It's one of the only ones that people are like, yeah, and I loved the, the way it ended. So, I, I, I am in agreement. Yeah, it, it, it just... It, 
Yeah, it ended the way that it had to. It was the it was just, but it was bittersweet. Like I remember being kind of bummed <laughs> yeah. out because I was like, well, now what do I do? You know, it's or when you finish a good book. I mean, this isn't just movies, but it's stories, and that's really what I think the fall is doing. Is it's talking about the importance of mm-hmm. the listener or the receiver in a, in stories and how in, in storytelling how you're we're, none of us are passive listeners. If you put your heart into a story, right. it does become part of you. And you may not like where that story's going. Like in, in the case here with Alexandria, it was like, no, yeah. I don't want all these characters to die. Um, but because it's, it's, she, she had taken that as kind of part of her. You know, it was the story involved her now. It was her story too. So... I don't know. Maybe the fact that it just kind of ends. Maybe it is more of the brilliance and not. I think. I think I lean that way. I mean, maybe not the Um, brilliance. I didn't love that it had no resolution for the the real world characters, but but then again, then I started thinking like perhaps the resolution of the characters, you know, in the story, they'd become so attached to them and they had put so much of themselves into that moment, and it was such a like high you know climax emotionally for those two characters and for the and for the the story within the story um maybe that's resolution enough because you you could certainly see the change um in those people so well and maybe just kind of occurred to me and maybe this is like one of those you know sitting in your basement smoking something going <laughs> all right now what if maybe <laughs> you know um so there's there's this film starts out with the real story right the mm-hmm. the injuries in the hospital and all that and then there's a fantasy story that is used to kind of distract yep right and it's the fantasy story that has conclusion and a resolution and mm-hmm. the real story that doesn't and maybe that's the point is is that not every story has an end but we're gonna so it shifts right the story that you think should have an ending doesn't and the one that didn't need an ending because you know fantasy could stay open-ended who cares it's just a fantasy but we're gonna give that one a good conclusion and maybe that's the point that it's whatever's the best story to tell is the one that you tell not necessarily the one that is real I don't yeah, know. Perhaps no, that's just I think a bunch making of directions the point that go real life it. doesn't always work like a story. There's not always perfect resolutions, and um, you know sometimes people do just affect each other's lives for a short period of time and then are gone. Like from you know you don't ever hear from that person again, or you don't ever interact with them. Uh, it doesn't mean they didn't affect your life or change you, help you grow as a person. Um, yeah, I don't know. Real life doesn't work like a story. Like there's not. All the all the all right. the endings aren't tied up nicely in, in a bow for you at the end of it. Uh, so it may so either we're reading into it way too much, or that was something that they were trying to say. So right, and that's why that maybe this is open to interpretation, which a lot of stories are too. If you had to give this one a grade, what would you uh, what would you give it? Um, gonna be a little bit of an echo of our last review, but this one I'm I'm gonna give a B, I think. Um, I really, really enjoyed 
um, a lot of what they were doing, especially the storytelling aspect of it. Uh, it's a beautiful film to look at. Uh, I, if it ever comes down a little bit in price or there's a new edition, something I would definitely invest in in like Blu-ray or something because it would certainly be worth it. Um, the couple of things that bugged me about it, we've talked about the lack of um, character resolution and just... Uh, yeah, in general, it's just not going to probably not going to make my top 10 ever list or something like that but it was a solidly good movie um it definitely appealed to scratch the itch of the little bit of art house nerd that i have in myself which is you know it's there it's i don't often feed it and you know lock it in a little room somewhere but um <laughs> but when done right i do enjoy things like this and um yeah i mean this is pretty much straight up art house movie that i did enjoy quite a bit um so yeah i'd give it a b how about you? I, I, I think I think I would actually be in full agreement on that. It's about the same. I would give it a B as well. Um, I, I think, yeah, this... I'm not really sure what's going on with the end of this movie, mm -hmm. as, we, as we talked about quite a lot. Um, and one could make the argument that maybe it doesn't need to have a nice conclusion. Maybe I totally missed something. I don't know, but... If it was trying to be open-ended, that's fine. I don't think it needed to be. I think you could have wrapped this one up, and that would have been fine, too. I think, you know, visually, this is a beautiful film. Mm -hmm. And the, the themes of this are handled very, very well. Um, it was an interesting movie. It, did, it was a bit of a slow burn. Um, it's not one I probably should have started watching at, like, 10.30 at night. Because I started to doze off about halfway through and had to finish it the next <laughs> night, but that's I think more me and not the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, it's 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 one of those few really you know beautiful films that has a bit of a haunting aspect to it where I do want to watch it again. Um, this is one that that I think I will be rewatching, not just for the visuals, but because I, I think they're you know the story is very very good it's very touching but i just kind of wish it would have would have come in for a little bit more of a smoother landing it just feels like the movie kind of ends mm -hmm. and and that's unfortunate because otherwise i think this could have been an a yeah but i agree but that's yeah just those few little things is what kept it from being an a for me um yeah yeah i mean i i, I definitely recommend it especially if it, anybody uh is a little more on the art house side of things than the grindhouse side of things that we would normally <laughs> be doing on this show um, right kind of a different type of movie for us but i don't think it's any less enjoyable or, or than you know other movies no given good not reviews. at all I, I enjoyed it quite a bit um i will certainly be I, revisiting I, I actually uh recommended this one uh to my wife i think she would enjoy it a lot too so yeah well and then we it was funny because last week when we were kind of talking about fx remember these were folks these were two films that we picked ran seemingly at random yeah. <laughs> right like oh yeah well we we these are films that have been recommended or ones that we've thought about yeah we should cover that at some time but we don't have a theme so we'll just tack them on and then we got to talking and realized there there is a loose theme here and that is uh both fx and the fall take place uh around film productions right fx is you know 
Brian Brown's character is an effects artist for a movie that's being made. And the fall takes place as a, a stuntman who got injured on the set of a movie. Mm-hmm. It's not much, <laughs> but it's something. And it's kind of neat that it, it, you know, kind of fell that way. Right. That we kind of came to it that way. But no, it's totally not intended. But uh, either, I think we just watch a ton of movies and, and we're getting to a point now where we can find a connection between just about <laughs> It's the anything. Kevin Bacon game, right? Six Degrees. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's the Kevin Bacon game, but with podcasts. So, and maybe that'll be the new thing is when we pick random movies, we've got to find something. <laughs> well, that was a good one. It was semi-obvious and I didn't even, I didn't think of it at all until you said something. So it's like, oh, they're both film industry movies. It's like, okay, yeah, that's true. They absolutely are. Yeah. It does kind of work. So, yeah. but uh, what do we have coming up, uh, coming up on the show soon? Well, I believe next week we will be talking about the 80s vampire, uh, dare I say, classic, um, Near Dark, which uh, was directed mm. by Catherine Bigelow and is a favorite of mine from that era. And uh, I believe after that we'll be pairing that up with another 80s um 80s, dare we call it a classic monster, but an 80s monster film, Return of the Living Dead, so 80s zombie fare. Mm. Um, Both very 80s 80s movies, (laughs) and both very much uh, best of the decade, in my opinion, horror films. But very different in tone, as we'll we'll talk about, too. We're we're kind of looking at serious 80s horror and fun 80s yep, horror very much so, so it'll be a, a nice little comparison but otherwise yeah kind of a kind of two random ones but i guess we'll yeah, see if we can find something that connects these two and coming up as we in uh, the weeks after that and we'll leave you to guess what i'm talking about but uh we have everything from uh sword and sorcery we have westerns we have musicals we have um kevin costner so that'll uh, take us through. I love that, <laughs> most of the summer. I love that. That's a that's that's a topic. Kevin Costner, <laughs> folks. We need to talk about Kevin Costner. We do. In fact, we did. I think we had about a twenty minute conversation about him the other day via text message. But anyway, yeah, we did. <laughs> which resulted in us saying, "All right, yeah, we, we need to." Which is funny because there's actually a really disturbing movie called "We Need to Talk About yes, Kevin." Yes, yeah, I've seen it. It's not about. It's, I have. It's not about Kevin Cosner. Yeah. I, I thought it was. I was so disappointed in that. <laughs> yeah, I was really horrified. John C. Riley was great, but there was no Kevin Cosner inside. So, yeah. But yeah, so make sure you tune in and uh, uh, for those upcoming shows. Otherwise, uh, just kind of curious, you know, since we're, we're, we're talking about The Fall, has anybody seen The Fall or uh, familiar with the filmmaker's other works? Uh, what, are, what are your opinions about how this movie ended? It, are we totally off base? Did we just completely miss it and go over our heads? Or does this film just kind of suddenly end? Do you think there's something kind of special about that ending? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to uh, drop us a line or a comment on either the Video Junker podcast or the Video Junker podcast group facebook pages um that's oh, a mouthful or shoot us a tweet at video junk pod which is our twitter if handle. you want to share your review of this movie or any movie we've reviewed on the video junkyard podcast go ahead and write it up and send it to us at video junkyard podcast at gmail.com and if you take the time to write it we will read it um looking forward to some guest reviews on the show in the near future so we'll um Yes, yes. We'll be getting Ryan on the show here soon. I know we've just having some scheduling issues getting him on there, but a couple other folks, too, that we have on the docket to, to get on the show, hopefully in the near future. 
I'm thinking this summer is when we'll finally be able to do some of that stuff. Yeah. Sounds so, good. Yeah, we always uh, like having Ryan on the show. He, uh, always a welcome guest, and we always have a lot of fun doing it. So. That's right. So, otherwise, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. And I'm Eric Branson. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs> <laughs>